1: On this program, we are featuring the Andrews sisters, Ralph Edwards and his Truth or Consequences show, comedian Ernie Kovacs, and the complete cast of It Pays to be Ignorant. Here's the Andrews sisters, Patty, Maxine, and Laverne, from a radio show in 1946 with one of their big hits.
2: I love the morning, glory's growing I love the morning. and the glory's breeze is softly growing. blowing in a land. Oh, yeah. I love to wake up in the morning. I love to wake See up the sun in the come morning. up at dawn and in a land. Oh, yeah. I love to walk among the flowers and taste the honey from the bees. I wanna while away in my hours reading books and dreaming dreams beneath the tree. I wanna see the ivy clinging. I wanna see wanna the Wanna hear the robins singing little songs, little songs I adore. I, adore. I wanna attend the Sunday meeting. I wanna attend the Sunday meeting. Wanna hear friendly greeting when I get home. home once more. I long to I miss him more and more each day. I'm getting ready for a wedding. Gonna get the train that's heading for Atlanta. G.A. I'm getting ready for a wedding. Gonna get the train that's heading for Atlanta.
1: And now that popular quiz program that kept millions of listeners in stitches during the 40s and 50s. Tom Howard, George Shelton, Harry McNorton, and Lulu McConnell proved that it pays to be ignorant.
3: And now, Mr. hard. who are we our next guest? Mr. Howard, we have a very charming
0: young lady. Her name is Miss Eunice Wilde.
3: Oh, well, fine. How do you do, Miss Wilde? How are you this evening? Fine, thank
2: you, Mr. Howard. Well, we're
3: very glad to hear that. Where are you from, would you care to say? New York City. Oh, right here from New York. Well, good. Uh, You know a lot about New York, so I don't have to go any further when you're from New York. We're glad to have a native girl right here with us. Uh, how do you happen to be in New York this evening? I mean, how do you happen to be at the broadcast? You just stopped in to see the show? Just stopped in, yes. Well, thank no. you for coming along. Are you alone, Miss Wilde? Are you what alone? What do you mean? What difference <laughs> does it make to you if she's alone or not? Mr. Howard, it's not much fun for the young lady in New York alone, you know. Uh-huh. You should uh, have an escort. I see. And I suppose you would be the escort? Well, uh, yeah. you, you put it rather bluntly, about uh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> you better be careful what you say, Mr. McNaughton suppose your wife is listening in. Oh, I fixed that. Oh. I took the tubes out of the radio before I left home. Oh, I see. <laughs> I also got rid of my antenna. Oh, you did? How long has antenna been with you? Oh, please. <laughs> How long has antenna been with you? Pay no attention to Mr. Mc- uh, Norton this while. He's what we call a W.O.W. around What's here. What's a W.O.W.? A worn out wolf. All right. <laughs> As I say, don't let them embarrass you. Tell me, have you uh, ever heard the show before? Oh, yes, all of the time, Mr. Oh, Howard. Oh, you've heard mm-hmm. it many times. Well, we're Steady glad to listening. hear that. I won't have to apologize for the nitwits. Are you married? No, I'm not. I'm single. Oh, well, then, uh, uh, your husband is not with you if no. you're not married, naturally. <laughs> well, we're very glad to have you. Uh, you say you've heard the program before. Oh, yes, all uh-huh. the time. Tell me, uh, uh, what do you do for a living? I'm a receptionist in a textile office. Oh, in textile. That's mm-hmm. cloth and things like that's that. That's right, right? Mm-hmm. How do you like your work? Yeah, oh, you I that all right. Ah, I on. see, I see. That. <laughs> well, it certainly is nice uh, to have you with us here. Uh, uh, how long have you been working in textile? About four years. About four years, mm-hmm. uh huh. And you're not married? No. I almost got married once, Mr. Howard. You almost got married? Yeah. Almost? Yeah, I used to meet a very nice girl in the subway every evening. Yeah. I was almost going to marry her. What What happened? happened? Well, you see, she used to get off at 72nd Street, and I used to get off at 84th Street. Well, why didn't you marry her? Well, she was below my station. She...
4: (laughs) What are you laughing
3: at? Mrs.
5: His cold cream.
3: His cold oh, cream. Ah, uh, Miss Wilde, I'm going to ask you before... We're running a little short on time. So would you reach into the cap there and pick out a question for us as long as you're here? And would you be good enough to read the question if you don't mind? Just read it into our mic.
2: In the book, Robinson Crusoe... What was the name of the leading character?
3: Thank you. In the book, Robinson Crusoe, what was the name of the leading character? Mr. Hart, isn't this a question about books? Yes, it is. I'm writing a book now, you know. Eddie. is. I'm writing a book. It's a sequel to The Naked City. A sequel to The Naked City? Yes, it's called Bear Mountain. <laughs>
4: Please,
3: please In the book Robinson Crusoe What was the name of the leading character? Any schoolboy should know the answer But I never went to school, Mr. Howell I know that I started right at college You started right at college? Why bother with the middleman? Oh, I see What college did you ever I go I don't for... remember It was either Penn State or State Penn
4: Yeah I, I know
3: they didn't use names for the students Just numbers Just numbers <laughs> well, What did you go to college for, Mr. Shelton? To get polished Well, where is it? I drank it. Yes. (laughs) You know, speaking about Polish, my grandfather had a sad death. He died from drinking shellac. He died from drinking shellac? Yeah, but he had a fine finish. He (laughs) had... Look, please, the story of Robinson Crusoe is about a man who at the age of 13 ran away from home and went to sea. He was shipwrecked on a barren island on which lived nothing but cannibals. Oh, well, I knew a cannibal's daughter once. You did? Yeah, you know the funny thing about her? She liked the boys better when they were stewed. When they were <laughs> Please, Mr. Sheldon.
2: So how did this man manage to live, Mr. Howard? He
3: lived off the animals on the island. Oh, my, lived off a poor little animals. Uh, was he able to support himself? Ah, uh, please, that's silly. <laughs> he trapped the animals and used them for food. Mr. Uh, Howard, tell me, you say this man was shipwrecked. Well, how did he get to the island in the first place? He made a raft with his bare hands Must be awfully hard to make a raft out of bare hands (laughs) Well, of course, he had the nails He had the
4: nails
3: (laughs) Sure, they were right at the end of his palm Never mind Let's get on with this thing had the nails One, wa- one day while strolling a- around the island he saw smoke the island must have been on fire i see maybe it was fire island all right the smoke was coming over a hill so he climbed up the hill and what do you suppose he saw the other side of the hill please he saw fire he did you know i'll bet that's where the smoke was coming from <laughs> Miss mcnaughton you're wonderful your deductions are wonderful not only that they're repulsive they were cannibals <laughs> Cannibals was dancing around this fire Oh, cannibals? Yes Ooh. I thought they were mosquitoes Because I, they bite worse than mosquitoes Okay, in yeah. the middle of these cannibals There was a man Who the was man, the man? The man was Friday I know, but who was the man? I told you, Friday What are you talking about? I didn't see you Friday <laughs> <laughs> the, that, the cannibals were dancing around Friday Don't you see, Miss McConnell? The cannibals were dancing on Friday I don't care what day they were dancing Who was the man? Please, they were dancing around this man. They were getting ready to eat him. Eat who? They were going to eat Friday. You mean they only eat on Friday? Uh. I
6: bet they had fish for dinner.
3: Uh. Well, you know, that's a funny thing. I had fish today. You did? Yeah, I had a a matter. A mat? What's the matter? Nothing. What's the matter with uh. you? Ah, <laughs> on here. You, you guys are making this thing worse.
6: Yes, I know.
3: Yes, Is it much possible? worse. How big a fellow was this Sir Robinson He was six Fisher? feet tall, so when he saw this horrible thing, he stopped short. How could he stop short if he was six feet tall? But uh, who was the man? Please, he was Robinson Crusoe's man Friday. But whose man was he the rest of the week? Ah, let's go. Mr. Uh, Clark,
1: Truth or Consequences went on the air March 23, 1940, where it remained for more than 20 years. Here's M.C. Ralph Edwards with a contestant and one of the T or C Consequences.
5: How do you do, sir? What is your name? Wilkie Smith. Mr. Wilkie Smith, how are you? Fine. Where are you from? Burbank. How tall are you? About 6'2". What is your occupation? I work for Tile title insurance and trust company. Good. Where would you go to school? Burbank High. Uh, W.C. Smaltz of Williamsport, Pennsylvania asks, Which of our American writers was the most clever... Truth or Consequences Wilkie Smith Oh, let's see Title Insurance Burbank
7: Wonderful place
5: Which <laughs> Which of our American writers Was the most clever? <laughs> John Greenleaf Because he was Whittier uh, <laughs> <still>. oh, <my. laughs> Ned Washington beat me too That back there I heard him say You yeah, have told truth So you must pay the consequences Mr. Smith Wilkie Smith Now, Mr. Smith uh, during our pre-air time period, you told us you had a girlfriend. What was her name? Dreen Braden. What? Dreen Braden. Dreen Braden. Braden. Where is she from? <laughs> San Marino. She's <laughs> a P&G product. Huh? <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Uh, all right. Now, uh, you also gave us a telephone number, mm-hmm. didn't you? All right. Now, uh, we had Dreen. How'd she come by that name? Anyhow. I do not know. I never found out All right We have your girlfriend On the telephone right now That is our operator has Don't take in your breath Like that can close your eyes Is it an ecstasy Or is it an oh my goodness Huh? Oh Oh All right <laughs> It's oh my goodness Now our operator Our operator told her To hold the wire a moment That you were calling Now we want you to carry on A conversation Say don't be alarmed honey This is just a, a little personal mm-hmm. call That I just got so lonesome I had to call you Don't tell her You're on truth or consequences You understand? All right Now uh, just sit right here By this telephone Johnny Paulick oh, okay. Turn on the roving mic, will you? And I'll walk over to our stationary telephone. Now, don't pick up the thing yet, uh, the receiver. All right, now, just one more thing. While you talk to your girlfriend, Dreen, we want this cute little dog to sit on your lap. Bring out the little dog, will you, Dick? Uh... Oh, he's very cute. What kind of a dog is that? Cocker Spaniel. Oh, of course, it's a Cocker Spaniel. Now, are we all set? I think so. All right. All right. Now, just one more thing. The name of the dog is Duchess Wilkie Duchess. Yes, Wilkie Smith. Now, when I ring this bell like this, (laughs) talk to the dog instead of your girlfriend.
4: Okay? Okay.
5: All right. Now, remember, just be quiet with Duchess. You can't tell your girlfriend that you have a dog on your lap or that you're on truth or consequences. All right. Now, pick up the telephone and start talking to her. See? Hello. When I ring the bell, talk to the.
2: Drink?
7: Drink? How are you? Well, that's fine. I got lonesome, so I thought I'd call you out. Hey, down there. Down. Your ears are
4: too long. (laughs) She
5: says, who are you talking to? Well, I'm glad to hear it. What have you been doing? She says, what do you mean, my ears are too long? She's gone back. Is that all? Tell her you're anxious to see her.
7: I'm uh, sort of anxious to see (laughs) her. Get down. You need
5: a bath. She
4: says Wilkie. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh,
7: no. Uh, I might be over to see you pretty soon. <laughs> Get out! I told you you need a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it
5: a lovely dog? That's all. That's all. That's all. Oh. I, I, say, say, darling, I love you, and I'll see you in a few more.
7: Darling, I love you, and I'll see you.
5: Oh, f- uh, your ears are way too long, I
4: think. <laughs> Pretty
5: little dog All right, now I'll tell you what you do Uh, Just go ahead Before you get into any trouble Tell her you're on Truth or Consequences Hey, (laughs) (laughs) Dreamy Don't remember the bell Hey, come here Come here (laughs) She says, who is there with you? Uh, Forget about the bath for a while (laughs)
4: All
5: right, tell her You're on Truth or Consequences I'm on truth the consequences. Yeah, go ahead, finish it. I'm on truth The consequences. She said, well, I thought something was wrong. There. Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Smith. I'm going to talk to her, explain what it's all about.
1: Right now, an excerpt of a program that was enjoyed by listeners from coast to coast for many years.
7: The Answer Man. Would you like to know what animals grow smaller as they grow up? Or... Where is the tallest chimney in the world? Would you like to know the answers to many other interesting questions? The Answer Man will tell you, and here he is to answer your questions, The Answer Man. Hello, everyone. And now if you'll read the first question. Let's begin with
6: this one from a Cleveland, Ohio man. Does the average Eskimo have much of a vocabulary? Yes, he does. The average Eskimo has an active, everyday vocabulary of at least 10,000 words which is much larger than the active vocabulary of an average businessman who speaks English. Next day, Vesta Virginia listener asks, can a high-speed camera really take pictures of sound waves? Yes, the Zaram high-speed camera can take nearly 100 million exposures per second, and that's certainly fast enough to photograph sound waves. Next then, Elma Washington student asks,
7: are there any creatures on Earth that are bigger when they're young than they are
6: after they grow up? Yes, there are. The tadpole of a South American frog is one such creature. It grows to be more than ten inches long in the tadpole stage, and then it shrinks into an adult frog only two and a half inches long.
7: Next day, Mary an Ohio listener asks, What can a scientific criminal laboratory determine with regards to a criminal if their
6: only clue is a single strand of hair? The approximate age of the person, sometimes the race, sometimes the sex, and in a general sort of a way, the part of the body the hair was taken from.
7: A Lister living in White Plains, New York writes, can you produce and read for me a poem that starts out, I know a friendly neighborhood
0: where
6: lovely gardens grow. Now, what's the rest of it?
0: The
7: poem
6: goes on, and pleasant, well-kept homes are stood all proudly in a row. Suspicion mars no friendship there, and falsehoods spread no gall. Joy and sorrow, both are shared, and each keeps faith with all. Now, if one friendly neighborhood such blessedness can claim, why in the name of all that's good can't nations do the same? In his next program,
7: the Answer Man will answer such questions as why do we call a stiff muscle a Charlie horse? When did we have three different presidents in a single month? And did the Eiffel Tower or the Statue of Liberty take longer to build? So tune in again for The Answer Man.
5: This is Mutual, the world's largest network.
1: The late comedian Ernie Kovacs parodied the Answer Man program on one of his TV shows and produced one of the funniest comedy bits I think I've ever seen or heard. Here's Mr. Question Man.
0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Time once again for Mr. Question Man. All of the questions sent to Mr. Question Man are carefully tabulated in files. Some of them are read. Our first question comes from Mr. Arthur B. Koznowski of Macon, Indiana. Arthur B. Kosnowski of Macon, Indiana writes, Dear Mr. Question Man, I am writing to you from inside a burning warehouse. Let me take a moment of your time to go back a bit. I bought this house 11 years ago in November. No, I believe it was February. Well, when I bought it, they told me that it was fireproof. By the way, please pardon the condition of this stationery. Well, at about 11 o'clock tonight, a fire broke out in the southern wing of the warehouse. It spread rapidly, and at this writing, I would say 94, 96% of the warehouse is in flames. There goes another wall. I'm standing on the last two feet of flooring in the north wing, and I'd say that this will only last, oh, three minutes, perhaps two with a good wind. I really am at a loss to know what to do. And while I do not mean to press you, I would appreciate an answer at your earliest convenience. (laughs) Best regards to you and Mrs. Question
5: Man, Arthur Koznofsky. I uh, am afraid that in the present day, hurly burly of rapid transactions, we sometimes put insufficient trust in those with whom we do business. Your real estate agent was telling the truth by law. All warehouses in Macon, Indiana must be fireproof, so you have no cause for alarm. <laughs> While I, I do not mean to appear severe, I am forced to say I feel a certain embarrassment for you and your attitude toward the real estate agent. Should you manage to survive for another moment or two, you might take the time to drop from a social note without mentioning your suspicions. I think that'd be awfully nice. At any rate, good to hear from one of our listeners in
0: Indiana. Dear Mr. Question Man, writes Mrs. Catherine Hildebrand of Little Rock. My sister has been living with us for 13 years. My husband and I would love to have her marry and settle down. However, we have not been able to find someone for her. She is eight feet tall. (laughs) What do you suggest? May I suggest you find two men each four feet tall? (laughs) A young student from Hightstown, New Jersey writes. (laughs) Dear Mr. Question Man, I am studying science in high school. I am quite puzzled by this phenomenon. It is well known that the earth is round like a ball. Therefore, some people must be walking on it upside down. Why is it that these people do not fall off? You have
5: stated a common misconception. People are falling off all the time. And now a letter from Abner Wolf
0: of Schenectady, New York. Mr. Wolf writes us as follows. Dear Mr. Question Man, I am very interested in the religious group called the Sikhs, who wear beards, are excellent warriors, tie their turbans in a special way, and usually live in the hills of northern India. They are noted for never venturing from their native land. Consequently... I was very curious to see that a tall bearded gentleman who wears a turban of this nature has moved into the apartment next to mine. Tell me, is it possible that this man is a Sikh?
5: No, he's says he's a pretty good, just got a little headache, that's all.
4: <laughs>
0: Trader Rogers of Upper Gun South Africa writes, one year ago, I married Kino, the daughter of the cannibal chief of these parts. Living here has been rather confusing as they have different dates for holidays that I have been accustomed to. For instance, last week the cannibals celebrated Easter. Next week we're going to observe Thanksgiving. A point of etiquette has arisen. Kino's father, the chief, has suggested that we have the local missionary for Thanksgiving. Is this considered proper in the United States? No, we're still eating turkey here. <laughs> Chief Bardoni El Swahili of the Wambizi tribe in equatorial South Africa has written an interesting letter. Dwanya Nagi Hagu, <laughs> Inga Green Laka <laughs> Bondi. Lawana Tigana Du, Kabi Dig Gnavas Bonta. Motoloni Argu Diban. Genda Ranya Boro Dobiaka. Mr. Nick Greco of Las Vegas, Utah, would like the answer to this question. I'm at this very moment playing table stakes poker with some very big gamblers. I have three queens, a seven, and a four in my hand. The man on my right drove all night from Wichita, Kansas to get in the game. I think he might be tiring a little now and not thinking too clearly. The man on my left took just one card, but he's known to play an unorthodox game. I figure him for just two pair, but he could be holding three of a kind. The pot has been raised four times already, twice by the man who drove from Wichita, once each by the man sitting across from me who might be bluffing. Uh, Considering that I'm holding three queens, do you think I should raise the pot one more time, call the man on my right, and then raise the man across from me, or just call and see who raises him, then raise, or should I raise the man on my left, and then drop out if someone re-raises me? Well, that seems to be all the time we have for Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Question Be sure to join us again when Mr. Question Man will answer such questions as, are Dave Garroways those little seeds on rye bread? Is it proper to drink coffee in a t-shirt? Do they use real iodine on the medic? Does the DC-7 eat its young? And in a fair fight, could Rocky Marciano beat Charles Coburn?
1: That's it for this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Here's a thought to remember. School bells ring for over 50 million students in the United States elementary, secondary, and college-level classes yearly. Another 50 million take part in adult education courses. Americas know that a truly free society rests on the wisdom and intelligence of all the people. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California. Join me next time for more from radio's greatest shows on this, the American Forces Radio and Television Service.